Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, May 11th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Going good, Rod. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. No okay. complaints. Uh, yeah. Stopped raining and uh, got no some need nice to build an arc. Horizon. Yeah, don't need the arc anymore. Uh, no snow shovel. Right. <laughs> None of that stuff. So. <laughs> So I'm doing pretty well. Uh, joining us this evening is our friend Peter Jones. Peter, how are things? Uh, how are things the other side of the pond? We're doing pretty good, Rod. The, like yourselves, the weather here has just picked up in the last few days or so. A little bit of sunshine. It's in the low 60s, which is about average temperature for this time of year. So things are things are looking slightly better. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think that's yeah we're we're uh, right around that too we're we're right around sixty I think so I can live with that definitely so guys uh, we haven't spoken really since the draft so um, any of us I don't think so so we're we're going to touch on the draft and some other things are going on uh, before we do that I I have a beer I want to talk about and if you guys want to join in. Uh, you know, as far as what you're drinking this evening, we'll we'll uh, touch on that too. But I am drinking a Great Lakes Beer Wolf Dunkel Dunkelweizen. It is <laughs> described as an ale with chocolate, orange peel, and cold brew coffee. Okay, this is really just like a Dunkel. It's really just like a dark beer. I I don't really taste coffee in it. It's just like a pretty smooth dark beer. And I've been digging deep for the orange peel. I just really honestly can't taste the orange peel. And I am a guy who loves orange and chocolate <laughs> together. So I'm, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because this is an outstanding beer. But I'm hoping that as I get further and further into the can, maybe, maybe that orange will become apparent. But right now, um, I am not a coffee drinker. And... This does not taste like coffee. It's just it's just the maltiness of a dark beer. So if you like Great Lakes, if you like good beer, this is this is really, really good. And I tweeted a picture of this can. Uh, this is this is really a cool can. This is one of those that um, that Jeff, if you were still collecting beer cans that you would this would be a keeper. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't collect cans, so so I'm probably just going to recycle it. But um, definitely a really cool can and a very well done beer. Cool. So, anything you guys would like to share about what you're uh, what you're drinking tonight? Well, for, for me, Rod, it's some little known soft drink from the Atlanta, Georgia area. I think it's called Coca Cola. Um, <laughs> We're going a different direction on the caffeine tonight, huh, Peter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just the normal soft, just the normal soft drink for me. Excellent. And and Jeff has uh, Jeff has nothing spectacular to talk about, so we're not going well, to delay yeah, the I, point. I, I actually, Rod, I, as I mentioned, I I uncovered the pool today, and yeah. um, so you know while we were watching the, the pool fill. Um, you know, we sat with a couple of glasses of Chardonnay and so, you know, that, that's a lengthy process. Um, that I'm very optimistic that we're going to be in the pool sometime in the next month. Um, but so now I'm just rehydrating. Yeah. Smart. Very smart. And hopefully, gosh, hopefully within a month, man, you get to, you get to June, you're hoping that, that it's pool weather. Well, yeah, usually Memorial Day is hit and miss, but um, I don't know, the way this spring is shaping up with snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just you just don't know. I, th I, th I thought when, when Jeff said he uncovered the pool and we were talking about the Browns beverages, I thought he was going to say I uncovered the pool and there were a thousand cans in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. Hard to say. So, guys, we're we're going to we're going to go back in time a little bit because it's been we're coming up on 
two weeks since the draft actually began uh, two weeks ago this coming Thursday. So um, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, what happened in that draft. And mostly, you know, I think everybody knows who the Browns picked and all this, but uh, wanted to get some of your insight, some of your reactions, um, you know, just kind of how some of these picks hit you as as they went down. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I think the first pick, uh, Greg Newsom was was a name that a lot of us. I mean, shoot, we talked about it here when, when we were, uh, you know, previewing uh, the draft. But um, he he was one of the names that was there as a possible pick for the Browns. So when it actually happened, Jeff, what were your thoughts? Because I'm going to get, I'm going to you first because. We kind of went back and forth, you know, corner um, versus edge versus other positions in the first round. So, so what was your thought with them going with with uh, with the corner in the first round, and specifically with with Greg Newsom? Well, it, it, I think it just demonstrates how dumb I am that um, I thought we could wait till the second round to get a cornerback. Um, if we don't take Greg Newsom. At 26, we probably don't get a, a a cornerback who can come in and 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 start this year um, in the first two rounds, um, unless we move up significantly from 59. Because it was amazing to see guys go off the board early, and it just it underscores how much the NFL or how highly the NFL values the uh, the cornerback position. Um, so I think the Browns were right on in terms of taking Greg Newsom at 26. And, and fortunately he dropped to that point. I mean, you and I were talking that there were probably three options um, at 26. Um, you know, we, I thought it was between um, JOK, um, Christian Barmore and Greg Newsom. And yeah. as it turns out, you know, Newsom was the only one that went in the first round. The other two guys dropped significantly. So, um, yeah, I mean, plan and, and research all you want, but you just don't know how a draft is going to go. No, and you're right on with, with the corner talk. And we're going to go to Peter here because it's interesting because in mocks, you know, early mocks had the Browns, you know, taking an edge. And this is before Clowney signed. They had the Browns taking an edge in the first round and then, um, a lot of mocks had had the Browns taking taking Eric Stokes down at, at 59, and and the Packers end up taking Eric Stokes in the first round, and that's just indicative of how guys moved moved up. Um, and I don't want to say moved up; it's more like there was, uh, you know, I guess we could probably call it a run on corner, um, or just showing the value of the position. So so Peter. We talked a lot about uh, Greg Newsom when we when we uh, spoke a few weeks ago. How did you feel about the pick? Um, did you kind of see it coming when the Browns came up to the podium? Uh, I'm, I'm a, I was a little bit like you guys, and I think we, we touched on this before. I think when you get to that position where you've won for a couple of years and you're picking in the 20s in the draft, um, you kind of get to the situation where the team isn't one that's full of holes. And and to a degree, it helps your drafting situation because you really can start to look at best player available, albeit across perhaps just three or four positions rather than trying to plug seven or eight positions. So, you know, it wouldn't have surprised me. I mean, you mentioned Christian Barmore. It wouldn't have surprised me if if, if the if the Browns had picked him in the first round. Um, but, I, but I love the pick of Newsom. Absolutely love the pick of Newsom. Um, and Jeff's right about that run on run on corners. You know, Eric Stokes went to the Packers just shortly after that. Tyson Campbell went with the first pick of round two, and then Asante Samuel went. And you're absolutely right. As it turned out, towards the back end of round two, that big group of corners are pretty much all gone. You know, the, the first or second round guys. So, and I, I just think Newsom's an excellent pick, excellent player. As I said before, reminds me a lot of Jair Alexander at the Packers. He's that feisty, in-your-face type corner. And when you're adding him to a group that's already got Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, the guy they got from the Rams, um, Troy Hill, I mean, he doesn't even need to come in and start immediately, which is the great thing about it. He may well right. do, 
but he doesn't need to probably. And that's that just makes the pick even more, just just so much more of a better pick for me. Did you feel like Newsom was was the best guy on the board at that point? Yes. yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, my hope, obviously, being a a Packer backer, was that he would drop three more places and and, and fall to twenty nine. Because I, I thought that, um, I th- I actually thought that Newsom, as the, as the draft was getting closer, I actually thought that Newsom may not be there for the Browns at twenty six either. I thought he might go, you know, closer to twenty. Um, yeah. Partly depending mm-hmm. on what happened with Caleb Farley and his and his back and what you know uh, and that situation, but um, just love the pick of Newsom. Absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, some things worked out in the Browns' favor, and some other you know some other guys went and some other possessions. I think if you know if if the linebackers don't go the way they did before the Browns' pick, then then Newsom's probably not there. So. Um, you know, like we talked about, somebody was going to be there, and it happened to be Newsom. Um, you know, I, I don't know if the Browns would have been, you know, I, I don't know, and I don't know if we'll ever know where where the big linebackers stood on the Browns board, you know, for the first round. But yeah. uh, it sure sounds like they got the guy they wanted. Well, and I think in this day and age, I think Jeff touched on in this day and age, you can never have enough of these guys, can you? You right. know, you're pretty oh, much right. you're pretty much starting three corners most of the time these days, anyway. And, yeah. and and so to add Newsom as, you know, a fourth corner to that group we've already talked about, Ward, Williams, um, Hill, that, that's just, it's just, I think that's just a, just a great, a great group. And I guess we'll probably touch on the safeties later, but, but adding that, you know, Newsom to that group with the safeties as well, I think it's just, you know, I, I don't think you can, you can be in a better position going into the season or be in a much better position going into the season in, in the defensive backfield. Which, let's just pause and think about that for a minute with with, with the way the Browns' defensive backfield was mm-hmm. last season. I mean, Denzel Ward is, is Denzel Ward. And, yep. you know, they had some guys that played really hard last, last season. Um, you know, it's not like he was the only guy out there or anything, but, um, but it, it was really, it, it was a weakness for the Browns. So for it to, for it to turn into... What appears to be a strength and to be this this apparently deep at this point, uh, it, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well. So I, I don't know, Jeff. I don't know where where your head was when when the Newsom pick came in. Me, I you know I was happy with Newsom. You know, I'm like, if they take Newsom or JOK, I'm happy. I wanted them to take JOK um, mm-hmm. at, at uh, you know, at 26. I'm like, eh, you know, now they're not going to get him, but they got Newsom. I, you know, it, it's a great pick. I'm happy with the pick. And then he, he starts to fall. And I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody really knew about the, this perceived heart issue at this point, other than the NFL teams. Um what what were you thinking as he keeps dropping? You know, at what point, even in the second round, were you did you start screaming for them to to trade up and get him? Well, I, I yeah, I, I honestly didn't see that coming until um, we saw you know Browns are on the clock, um, and then once I saw Browns are on the clock, I thought, well, okay, now they've they've decided to go up and get somebody and and jok had been you know mel kuyper's bpa for you know several probably 10 or 12 picks already um so yeah i would have been happy if they had taken him in the first round at 26 yeah Um, so so knowing that he was still there um you know getting down close to where the browns were picking at 59 i'm like wow you know they they don't have to give up a lot to move up and take what I viewed as another first round pick um, at that point. You know, I, I think everybody felt like he was a first round talent. Um, yeah. So, you know, what was I feeling at that point? Well, you know, when when the pick came in and they took um, Kamaroa, I said to you, I think, you know, geez, I, I feel like we just stole another first rounder. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was before anybody knew anything about 
the the heart issue or, or you know whatever. Um, I think it has it has to do with um, fit. You know, I think Peter talked the last time we were together about Isaiah Simmons um, and how it took him a while to find his place with the Cardinals. Um, you know, it may take JOK a little while to find his place with the Browns, you know, for them to sort of build and structure the, the defense around him. But, man, in terms of talent, I, like I said, I would, I would have been thrilled if they'd have taken him at 26. And so to, to get him at 52 and only give up a third rounder, that, that, was, that was a great move. Yes. Go ahead, Peter. I was yeah, just I mean, going to ask you how, how surprised you were by the drop, too. Yeah, I mean, I 100% concur with that. I mean, I think that you're absolutely getting... I, I think, off the top of my head, I think he was 18 overall on my board. So, mm. to me, you've, you know, you've picked up a second first rounder towards the, end of the, towards the end of the second round. And, yeah, I guess with these things, once a player like that does start to drop, then clearly you know that there's a problem that nobody other than, as you said, Rod, other than the teams knew about. Now, very often those problems in inverted commas turn out not to be issues at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we always remember a totally different circumstance, but we always remember Dan Marino dropping all the way down the board to the end of the first round where it was a perceived issue and never right. turned out to be anything. And, um, you know, and, and from everything that we can gather since the draft, this is going to turn out to be nothing as well. Let, let's hope that's the case, but it certainly seems to be the case. Um I just, like I say, he was 18 overall on my board. I think he would have been an excellent first round pick in the middle of the first round for any team. So to get him towards the end of the second round, um, as Jeff said, you know, trading up just a few spots to make sure that you got him. Excellent, excellent, excellent pick. And um, yeah, as we, we talked about similarity to being an Isaiah Simmons type player, if you want to liken him to somebody that's already in the in the league. And, and, and yeah, it's a guy that is so athletic. You know, you can put him out. He can he can cover your slot wide receiver if you want. He's that athletic. You can cover the backs mm-hmm. out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, try and get try and get him in 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 space because he's not that big. But other than that, I mean, it's just it's just a great a great pick. And you know, they will come up with some schemes specifically for him. I've no I've no doubt about that. Particularly given. Um, you know, the look of the defensive backfield that we've already talked about. And I think one thing that's kind of got slightly missed with this pick, although I've obviously not been as close to the Browns talk as you guys, is the pick later on of Tony Fields. Because he's a very, Fields is a very similar type player to mm-hmm. Wusu Koromoa. Mm-hmm. Similar, similar size, similar type player. Obviously not quite the player JOK is, else he'd Fields would have been going higher in the draft, but what it means for the Browns is that you can now start to start to devise these packages where even if Jock was to go out for a play or two or was to be injured, Fields can play in that position, and and I think that's quite significant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It I speaks just... to the vision of of what they think a linebacker is going to look like. In our yeah, defense, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. and and also I think it it gives the impression whether 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 a true it's true or not, and I suspect it is. It at least gives the impression that there's a plan there. There's some thinking behind those picks. There's some thinking about how they're going to use those players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is which is always useful to have. Well, that that, that happens when you have the same defensive coordinator two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can't happen the entire, otherwise. <laughs> the entire coaching staff, yeah, it's un, unheard of in Cleveland. Right. It, yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I I almost get the fe- feeling that um, you know that these are the two, the two linebackers they wanted. You know, JOK and, and Fields. And I know not everybody thinks JOK is, is a linebacker, but the Browns the Browns think he's their 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 well. So. Um, and. Yeah, and oh, that's so absolutely he's a linebacker. Yeah, and and, and that's abs- and that's absolutely what it, what he should be. And I, I think the thing we also have to remember in this day and age is how often are you in that base four three defense anyway? First down, mm-hmm. first down, True. and that's it True. probably. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in this day and age, you're in sub packages most of the time anyway. So, and, and this is a guy because of his athleticism that 
offensively, you don't know what this guy's going to do. Is he going to blitz? Is he going to cover the slot corner? Is he going to drop deep? You just don't know. You know, you, you can't you can't necessarily tell just from the players that are out on the field when when he's one of them. I think I think it's a, it's a great pick, and I, and I, and I, as I said, with a, I'm repeating myself, but I love the pick of Fields later on because I think he's a very similar type player. Yeah, I, I think. It makes, go ahead, go ahead, Jeff. I, I was going to say it makes you think a little bit about um, how the defense will look in um, when, when teams go to their their hurry up offense. You know, they're two minute packages and stuff where you're you know, you're trying to get guys on and off the field and stuff where, you know, you can give a team a bunch of different looks without moving a guy. And, you know, the guy's out there yeah, already. Right? Yeah. And, and that's the, and that's the great thing about that type of player is he never has to come off the field. Right. So abs- ab- absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to watch his development, um, JOK, to see. You know how how quickly he works his way into you know to being on the field more and more often. Um, I don't know if he's going to be out there all the time initially. You know he probably has to learn, and you have to figure he probably is going to have more to learn than than other guys who are playing, you know, uh, closer to one spot all the time. You know, one possession because he's going to be moving around a lot on the field. So, mm-hmm. so maybe it'll take some time, but you have to figure once he has this down, he's going to be out there for pretty, pretty much every single play. <laughs> and, you would and think that's, so. Yeah, yeah, he, he's going to get there. So you don't know if it's going to be, you know, after a few games, um, you know, or, or if it's going to take half the season or if it's going to, you know, not really happen until next year. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot, going to be it's going to be fun to watch either way. Um, you know, yeah. if, if he doesn't play a lot initially, uh, just, just imagine when the Browns play the Ravens and then he's out there pretty much every play, you know, just to, just to shadow Lamar, you know, um, or, or something like that, for example. So uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun watching him this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, you and I have talked, I think we talked a little bit about Anthony Schwartz, um, the, the speed demon. Um <laughs> Fastest, probably you know, right up there with uh, Tyreek Hill, probably fastest guy in, in football, you know, now um, in the NFL. I I don't think we talked about him when Peter was on the show. So Peter, I wanted to to go back and kind of get your thoughts where you had him rated. I mean, we know how fast he is. What are your thoughts on him as a wide receiver? You know, other than just the obvious that he can stretch the field um, that. You know that um, that Auburn didn't wasn't a big passing team, and you know what's what's his ceiling? Things like this. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think he's I think his ceiling is high. Um, so so he went probably around maybe a couple of rounds higher than I thought he would go. Um, and right. and 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 this group of wide receivers, again, as we know, was a very deep group of wide receivers. And I think once you got past the first and second round guys, I thought it was quite difficult then to get, you know, the next 10 or 15 guys in, in the right order. And I mm-hmm. think it very much came down to what it was that you were looking for. So um, whilst I had him down a little bit lower, clearly the, the Browns clearly picked him because they were looking for a type of receiver. And that was a guy that could could stretch the field, and and as you said, you know, he's a world class sprinter. Ran ten oh seven in a hundred meters when he was at in college at Auburn. Um, his college production wasn't perhaps as high as you would hope for, um, but uh, but I think when you watch the film, I think he's open a lot more than than the ball was ever delivered to him, mm-hmm. um, and. I, I think the, I think the ceiling's really high because he's a, because he's a great athlete, as as dec, decent hands. Um, I, I think the I think the question is going to be more about how you use him, and do you expect the guy to start to learn to run other routes because he didn't run so many routes at Auburn 
ran a lot of go rights, go routes, a lot of nine routes. Um, so, so I think, so I think it's about how you, how you how you want to use him. For me, yeah. again, you're bringing him into a great situation. I think because with with the receivers that that the Browns have got, not only at the wide receiver position but the tight end position, you're not asking this guy to come in and be an 80 catch, thousand yard receiver in his first year. So, yeah. so I think you I think you're bringing him into an 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 excellent an excellent situation. So. The summary rod went very slightly higher than I I would have expected with a blank sheet of paper, but clearly he was the type of receiver that, that Cleveland were looking for. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, do you want to add anything or give us your thoughts on Schwartz? Um, just the thing that kind of surprised me was, I mean, when they traded out of 89, um, Nico Collins was the guy that ended up going at 89. And it ended up being to the Texans after another move, mm-hmm. um, but that was kind of the guy that that Peter and I had both yeah. kind of pegged into the Browns. Um, so I, I just I wonder if you know they were looking at maybe looking at him or maybe they've been looking at Schwartz the whole time, um, but they felt like you know they needed a a game changing receiver with that third round pick, um, yeah. you know not knowing at that time that some of those other guys were going to fall to them in the fourth round. But, um, you know, we, we had identified some, some positions of need in the third round and, um, you know, somebody to take the top off the defense is something we've talked about for, for months. Um, so I think Schwartz is, you know, he was clearly the best player, um, on the board at 91, um, to fill that need. And, you know, now you just have to hope that, that he'd, develops um you know into a reliable catching guy versus just a speed guy yeah and i, and I think that's I, I think that's a, it's a really good point about the type of the type of player because you could almost split the wide receivers into two or three groups and there was a huge group of guys at five foot nine you know the rondale moors and, th- and those guys right um but it weren't there weren't the huge speeds, so many huge speedsters like Schwartz was. And if if that's the guy that you wanted, um, you know, as Jeff described, to take the top off the defense, then you have to you have to go out and get him because you, you've not got a chance of getting his type later on. There there weren't right. that many. Right. So. Yeah, and and Jeff, I don't know if if you've watched the the building the Brown series or not. Yeah, there's, um, there's. I have not seen the most recent one. Okay, in, in the the most recent one is is where they go over the draft and they show the picks and they kind of kind of show the behind the scenes and they show you a little bit of the interviews with the guys and as the picks are made and they talked to Schwartz beforehand. They interviewed him and and they specifically said how much how much they liked him. They talked about his intelligence, his uh, his coachability, uh, just from talking to his coach and, and from other pe- other people, um, I think they he is really the guy they wanted because of other things, not just not just the speed in the phone. I think they felt like he like he fit the team also. Right. So yeah, I think that's probably why he went a little higher. But um, you know, he's the only guy who <laughs> he's probably the only guy in the in the draft, especially at that point with that kind of speed too. Yeah. So, um, and, and when, when you're the Browns in the spot you're in and you, you just, you take the guy you want in the third round. So, so I think, mm-hmm. uh, de- definitely good. Um, sure. So, so Jeff, did you, did you cheer when James Hudson was selected? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about him a, a lot on, on the podcast. You know, um, yeah. I, I was excited. I mean, shoot, you know, I got my third kid getting ready to go to UC. So we got a UC guy on, mm-hmm. on the Browns. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of cool. But, I mean, he seems like he's a heck of a player, too. Right. Um, I mean, a, a guy that I've, I fully expected um, the Browns to, that they would have to use one of their third rounders to get. Um, so, again, for him to drop to the top of the fourth without that high, you know, fourth round pick at 110 um, was, I think, tremendous value. 
um, for a guy who, to me, fills a huge need um, from a backup standpoint, but who can also develop into a starter within the next couple of years when we're going to need to make some tough choices about some of the high-dollar guys on our offensive line. Um, man, I thought this was a great investment to go out and find that type of a, of a tackle slash developmental maybe guard um, that they can, you know, have building his resume over the next couple of years before he really needs to step in. Um, man, what a luxury for, for the Browns to be able to do that at this point. And I mean, there were four or five guys that I thought would, would be great for that at, at various points in the draft. But uh, from early on, I, I just, everything I, I watched on, on Hudson, man, I just, I just love the way the guy plays. And so, so Peter Hudson is, um, he's one of the guys who didn't have a great pro day. Okay, so, and, you know, and a lot of people just came out, uh, you know, right away there, um, some people were negative on the pick because of, of the pro day. And I'm thinking, he's, he's an offensive lineman. You know, how, how worried are you about the pro day? You know, did, did you watch any film on this guy at all? So, yeah. I've, so give us so, your thoughts. Yes. Yeah, um, so, so, I mean, Jeff summed him up nicely. I thought he would go at the back end of round three. So I think to get him in round four is a, is a, is a bonus. Um, uh, Jeff summed him up nicely. I think I think he's a guy that is going to develop. He's not a guy that you want to come in and have to start day one, right? Because because he didn't play that much in in college. Really, just twenty twenty was his main mm-hmm. main year in in college. Um, he may end up inside at guard. Yeah, he's, he's almost from a size perspective, he's almost right in between the two positions, tackle or guard. So we'll see how that plays out i think it's a lo- i think it's a really nice a nice pick i think he's a really good athlete rod and I, and I know that his pro day wasn't that wasn't that great but i think when you watch him on on the field i i, I think he i think he's a nice athlete for a tackle which you know is what you're looking for okay you know kind of does it does he move his feet well yes he does does he move laterally well yes he does um you know, and those are those are two things that you can't teach particularly well. You either have those or you don't. And yeah, I just think it's a, again, it's a re- it's a really nice pick, and I think it's a case of as Jeff described, where it, how he develops and where he ends up in a couple of years' time. It could be at tackle, it could be at guard. Yeah. So let let's talk some let's talk a little bit of DT because the Browns have been bringing DTs in left and right. Okay. And and I want to I want to bring a few things together here because Jeff I'm trying to remember the name of the the defensive tackle that you were hoping for who is still on the board when the Browns uh, picked uh, Tommy <laughs> Tommy Togi. Um, I can't Damian remember. Nixon. N- Nixon. Okay, so you you were ended up going in I think the fifth or sixth round, which blew my mind. Yeah, so that's the guy you wanted. The Browns take Togi. Um, they've sent they they since uh, signed Marvin Wilson to a to a uh, um, to a uh, undrafted free agent contract. Um, you know, a, a pretty lucrative one there. Um, they've signed they signed uh, let's see Malik uh, Malik McDowell. And Damian Square, um, I'm not sure if they signed him by today or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so they brought all these guys in. Um, uh, Peter, I wanted to get your thoughts, first of all, on Togiai, you know, and, and kind of um, Nixon, first of all, uh, just because that's who Jeff was hoping for. And then kind of maybe maybe we'll just talk about Marvin Wilson at the same time. And, and uh, if you have any input on these other guys, because... Seems like it, it's going to be it's kind of going to be a war for these defensive tackle spots. Um, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on who you think has the edge as far as who you think will make the team. And obviously, we're really far away from that. But who who do you like? So so I I, I would imagine that there's not a lot to choose between those three players: Togiai, Wilson, McDowell. Um, uh, people forget that you know McDowell was a second-round pick not so long mm-hmm. ago, 
Yeah. He's a good, he's a good player. Um, I think Wilson, had he not had all of the injury problems that he had almost throughout all of his college career, I think would have been the higher pick of, of the two of them. Obviously, he didn't get drafted at all, but I think he would have gone higher. Um, but the different types of players, and, and I'm not sure about... So, so Tokyo, when I see him, looks to me like a 3-4 nose tackle, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem to fit the Browns' you know, defensive system. So, so I agree. I, 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 I think that Wilson's probably the, be- the better fit, and if he can stay injury-free... He makes the team for me because I think he's a good player, very good mm-hmm. player. That's a, that, that's a guy that that a couple of years ago we would have been talking about him probably being a second round draft pick. That's how yeah. good that's how good Wilson was, but he was always hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know McDowell was a second round draft pick, so so I think I think there's an interesting competition in in camp there and again it comes back to the fact you can never have enough guys competing for the spots and and you know may the best man win i'm just i'm just not sure about the fit of of togi into the browns defense but that's that's just me yeah yeah um i i guess uh i, I guess i wanted to hear your thoughts on nixon too i know he dropped what what two more two more rounds jeff before he was back? Well, he ended up going to the Panthers in the fifth round. In the fifth, which, okay. Yeah, which, um, again, I, I, and I would have been thrilled if they'd have taken him with, you know, that 59 pick in the second round. <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah, and I, I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know why Nixon dropped so far, so far because I, I agree. I thought he would go in the second or, second or third round. And... You know, when you, when you compare Nixon to Togio, you've got two different completely body, body shaped guys there. Right. You've got Nixon who looks like, uh, you, you know, he looks like a 4-3 defensive tackle. And you've got Togio who looks like a, a classic 3-4 nose tackle. And they don't look like the same type of player to me. And, and it would have seemed to me that Nixon was a, would have been a better fit. But clearly they saw something in the other guy that, that not everybody else saw. But I, I, I certainly agree with Jeff. I thought Nixon would go around, end of round two or sometime in round three. You know, and, and I, you know, I don't know the reasons why he dropped so far. Yeah, well, I, I guess we'll find out. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting watching all these guys uh, kind of fight it out. So uh, we talked about Tony Fields. Let's uh, let's move on to Richard LeCount, um, another guy who uh, didn't have a great pro day because of the because of the uh, accident that he had before yep. the pro day, which I guess not everybody knew about. So a lot of people just kind of forgot about him in the draft and the Browns moved in, took him in the fifth round and seemed to like him. So um, what are your thoughts on him as, as a player, Peter? Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I like him as a player. Um, I thought about round five was about the right the right spot for him. Um, not the fastest of guys. But he's a nice, he's a nice, he's a nice athlete without great, without great speed. Um, but again, you're adding him to that mix of, of Harrison and Johnson and Delpit. Hopefully, was going to be ready to go this year. So now you're bringing in a guy who's probably safety number four, yeah. or competing for the and and, and five. you know yeah. yeah, you know. So it's not the same as bringing a guy in and and asking him to come in and start immediately. You've got a guy that can come in and develop can play special teams. It's, it's a very solid pick rod for about, you know, for about round five, that area. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a very nice solid pick. And, you know, and he played in that Georgia secondary that had Stokes and Tyson Campbell that we mentioned earlier. It's played yeah. on a, on a pretty decent, pretty decent defense. Um, Four year guy, lots of experience. So yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice pick. Yeah. So, so Jeff, I know you had your favorites at safety. Was there? I don't know where all those guys went. Is there anybody that you feel like um, like you would have rather had, or uh, I, I don't know if you if you had a lot of um, I don't know if you looked at count much or what you thought of him. Well, my guy uh, Tolanoa Hufango was actually still on the board when they took LeCount. Um, yeah, thought so. He went, 
he went uh, to the 49ers at 180 overall. Um, you know, I, I thought from a, a, a versatility um, standpoint, uh, if we're looking for a guy to be down the depth chart at safety, um, you know, I, I thought he would probably fit the, the, the mold a little bit better um, as a guy who could do multiple things for us. If we're going to carry a fourth or fifth or sixth safety, um, you know, where this kind of went off the rails for me is, um, you know, with the pick of JOK in the second round, um, it, it sort of changed, I thought, what we were looking for. Because in, in JOK, you've got a guy who can play, as we've well established, linebacker, slot, and safety. So, mm-hmm. you know, now it makes me think, okay, well, we've already got three really 100% or, or close. Uh, we've already got three really solid safeties. Um, yeah. We've got three really solid corners, including Troy Hill as our slot guy. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've already got a dime package of starters. And JOK has the ability to fill in for any of those guys. So, yeah. so you know, why do we feel that we need Richard LeCount um, as a depth piece? I, I, I thought that was a little strange. Honestly, I would have probably... You know, if if I was looking for another depth piece there, I would have probably looked at another position um, just based on how the draft had gone. But, you know, they must be thinking in terms of, you know, down the road, um, you know, can they keep Ronnie Harrison on the team? Um, you know, does does Delpit come back 100 percent? And, you know, they're they're really just yeah. looking to, yeah. you know, ensure ins- against any eventuality. I think that's right because Ronnie Harrison's only signed for this season, and um, and and we haven't seen Delpit on the field yet. So, right. and so in that respect, I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. But but you're right. Um, the the uh, the JOK pick kind of um, you know kind of makes you feel like it's a dupli- you know a duplication. But um, but yeah, I mean when you when you're getting down to the to uh, you know, bottom of the fifth round, I guess they probably just went for the guy who they felt was the best player at that point. Well, and, and I think there's, Peter can, can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's, there's a lot of upside with, with LeCount other than, you know, he had, um, I think it was a motorcycle accident or yep. something mm-hmm. that where he, yeah, he did, you know, yeah. he, yeah. he had a very serious injury and, and, you know, that affected how he performed in his pro day. So they may, you know, they may think that, wow, there's, you know, there's a good chance that, that this guy can bounce back health-wise in a you know in a yeah. season or two, and you know be a steal you know for a guy that would have gone significantly higher if he had been fully healthy and you know we're, based on where we're sitting with our roster it's probably worth you know rolling the dice on guys like that in the fifth round. Yeah, 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 and yeah. In worst case, they they have a guy who could probably play special teams, and they can look at him for for a season and. You know, if they don't like what they see, they'll they'll you know, and if uh, if they don't sign Ronnie Harrison, then then um, you know they, they address safety again next season, you know, next draft. Right. So, uh, Peter, a guy I wanted to get, I've been waiting to get your opinion on is uh, Demetric Felton, um, all the way down in the sixth round. But uh, uh, some people are really excited about him and. Um, you know, in Cleveland, you know, he's getting comparisons to to Tyreek Hill. So we have two guys getting compared to Tyreek Hill, um, you know, and not not to get carried away or anything. But, uh, you know, our sixth round pick is being compared to Tyreek. So. So, so, yeah. So, so, so for me, other than the two guys at the top of the draft, this is the best pick of all of them. Felton, the best pro comparison is Antonio Gibson was drafted by Washington last year um, similar to Gibson similar type of player to Tony Pollard that was picked by the Cowboys a couple of years ago absolutely love this pick really high on on Felton um, gives you what you're looking for in a modern day NFL third back if you like third back stroke wide receiver can line up in the slot can play out of the backfield can run jet sweeps, great with the ball in his hands, 
you know, doesn't have super sprinter speed, but it's good enough with the ball in his hands, makes guys miss. Mm-hmm. Just, I just, I just love Felton as, as a, as a player. And I think that, you know, if, if any team had got him in about round four, I'd have thought that'd have been a really nice pick. So to, so to get him in round six, I think is, is, is excellent. Really like film. Well, uh, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> uh, Jeff, did you, did you know much about uh, Felton going into the draft? Um, honestly, no. Um, just, you know, looking at him post draft, um, I think of Duke Johnson a little bit. Um, and I mm-hmm. wonder if he wouldn't have that same kind of a role. Um, I, I This one surprised me a bit um, because I kind of felt like we were pretty well set um, in the backfield and then taking Schwartz as a receiver. Um, you know, I, I didn't really see us going with, with that kind of a player, but, um, you know, it just it adds another wrinkle. It's another another gadget in the in the toolbox um, for Stefanski to play with, um, and it, it you know it makes me wonder um, if um, what's his name, uh, um, Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson, you know, um, if you know, we're we're looking at moving on from him um, because I mean I I think he's a great number two should something happen to Nick Chubb. Um, but he lacks that versatility. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as that battle evolves, um, you know, which way do they decide to go? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really need to sit down and look at this roster and try to figure out, you know, ahead of time what I think is going to happen because, you know, you, you add a wide receiver, the Browns, you know, uh, not, we're not too far from being set at wide receiver, you know. Um, um, you know, I, I guess they had a spot for Schwartz, but now you bring in Felton. Um, you know, uh, Dearness Johnson, he, he's a heck of a player. You know, um, he, he looked really good when called on last season. You know, he, he's um, very dependable in, in the return game. Um, you know, does a nice nice job there. Um, you know, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna line up as a receiver, I don't believe, um, very often. But uh, um, aside from that, um, man, I just I don't know how what the composition of this roster is going to be, um, you know, and who's really battling who for, for spots. Um, you know, I think we feel like there are going to be more safeties on this team. Um, I think we're. I think there's a good chance we see some linebackers go, um, but but I, I say that. But we have two two guys who were drafted who were probably both going to make the team. Um, uh, you know, there, there's talk of of maybe an additional guy on the defensive line making the team. I don't see how that happens. Um, man, it it's uh, it, it's going to be really tough to whittle this thing down to uh you know you know to 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 the minimum when the time comes well, that's what's great about having a strong roster right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's it's a nice pos- position to be in and and and, and let's yeah. face it assuming that there is a, a training camp and a preseason, which it looks like touch wood there will be mm-hmm. unfortunately one or two guys will get hurt won't they in that period of in that period of time yeah. So, so and we don't quite know what positions those injuries are going to come in. So, I, I think to be as deep as they are, I mean, I, I think you're right. From the outside looking in, there, there, there appears to be depth at almost, almost every position. It's certainly, you know, the offensive skill positions, running back now with the addition of, of Felton, wide receivers, loads of them, tight ends, loads of them. Um, it, it it looks it looks it looks really strong. So yeah, I, I I agree with you. It'd be very difficult, I think, to sit down and and get close to the the fifty three man roster today. Um, but it will bring some interesting battles and some interesting stories through training camp and preseason, and we'll see how that goes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, were there any uh, 
any any really big surprises in the draft? Anything caught you off guard? I get. I guess I'll go to you first on this, Peter. Um, I, I guess we'll open it up to the to the draft in its entirety. Um, what what was the thing that caught you off guard the most about the draft? Um. So, so there was so there was nothing too much early. I, I guess I guess the big question early was was whether you know Mac Wilson would really go at. Uh, that Mac Jones would really go at number three mm-hmm. in, in the draft. And I think that whole question around the 49ers pick and who they'd traded up to get. Um, but it but it wasn't a surprise, you know, that, that they went in the direction of Trey Lance. I think that the Bears did well picking up fields where they got him. Yeah. Um, so so there, yeah. was no, there was nothing too much su- surprising in that. Um, I was slightly surprised at, the pick that my Packers took with Eric Stokes at 29, um, not because he's not a good player, but because of the guys that were still on the board that we mentioned earlier, the JOKs and the Christian Barmore in particular, and the tackle Tevin Jenkins were all on the board when the Packers picked, which any of those I thought would have been more likely to have been their pick. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 to be honest with you, much of the draft panned out reasonably as as we could have expected i think um jok was really the only guy that that you know from that first round that that dropped significantly um you know because of the the issue that hopefully won't be an issue and no I, pretty much panned out as i expected to be honest rod uh, jeff is there anything that you that really surprised you well um, I mean, the Raiders are always the Raiders. So, you know, them reaching for <laughs> Alex Leatherwood was not a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I got to ask Peter, I mean, um, if, if you and I were to, to, to bet a pint on this, Peter, um, prior to the draft, what would you say the odds were that um, Peyton Turner would go ahead of uh, Gregory Rousseau and Christian Barmore? To me, that that was the head scratcher. The Saints taking Peyton Turner at twenty-eight. Yeah, so I would have probably turned that around, and I would, I would, I would have bet my mortgage that Rousseau went higher than Peyton Turner. <laughs> let's let's put let's put it like that. Um, <laughs> I thought so. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, Rousseau was one of those guys that, yeah, he you know he slipped a bit in the days coming up to the draft when people really looked at the fact that he hardly played in college. You know, had you know three quarters of a year, but mm. um, for Peyton. Peyton Turner to go that high. And I guess that is the one, that's a great shout that is because that is the one real big first round shock when, you know, he really should have been going in about round three, I think. Um, You know, and you're right to pick out the Raiders, you know, I guess they surprised us by not taking a kicker or a punter in round one. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so let's uh, let's move on from the draft, guys. Um, there's going to be a 17 game schedule this season. So, so what what are your thoughts on the effect that's going to have on, I, I guess, on teams? Um, you know, uh, some of us are stats guys. Uh, probably all of us, um, stats, records, things like that. Um, what are your thoughts about going from a 16 game schedule to a 17 game schedule? I'll, I'll let you start off, Jeff. Well, I think it, it, it's, it's going to weed out the teams who lack the depth on the roster. Um, that's my first thought. Um, you know, what, what a great spot we are in to, to have such a deep roster at this point, knowing that we're going to have to play another game that matters. Um, so I think it, it, it helps the Browns a lot, um, in terms of another opportunity for a win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it probably hurts teams who are in the, the, the developmental stage or in the rebuild stage. Um, so I think it's great for us that it's, that it's happening this year. Um, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But, um, hey, another, another game that matters is, is I'm always ready to watch another game that matters. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, Peter, I think you saw the tweet that I put out that somebody, uh, a player, whether it's a back or, or a wide receiver, they can average, uh, they can average, I think it was 3.7 yards per game less now on their way to a thousand yard season. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. much of a difference. <laughs> No, but these things add up, don't they? You know, towards the yeah. end of the 70s, it was a 14-game schedule, and then it became a 16-game schedule, and now it's a 17-game schedule. And, you know, it the 1,000-yard rushing thing, whilst it's still, you know, a great mark and it's a nice round figure, you know, even before they went to 17 games, with 16 games, a back only had to average 62.5 yards a game to get to 1,000 yards, which doesn't sound like very much, does it? No. Um, and you right. think... And you think O.J. Simpson rushed for 2,000 yards in a 14-game schedule? I, I guess, I guess we just get we just get used to it. And I think the more games you add, then typically, you know, the better teams will rise to the rise to the to the top. So I guess that mm. from that perspective, it's a good thing. I hate it from a historical stats perspective, but mm-hmm. I think I think that's already gone out of the window. You know, particularly we talk these days about, particularly in the passing game and passer rating that we've talked about on on this show before and passing yards in a season and stuff. Those stats went out the window about 30 years ago, I'm afraid. You know, you just can't do a comparison. Um, so I think we just yeah. have to take it take it for what it is. Um, I guess from a Browns perspective, I think the 17th game is the Cardinals. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, so not, not too bad. I mean, that's, a, you know, they're... Good team, good team, but it, but you could be the Packers and have to go on the road to the Chiefs as your seventeenth game. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's all rougher. But, but um, yeah, I mean, like Jeff says, I guess we take it for what it is. It's an extra, it's an extra week of football that counts. Gets rid of one of the preseason games, and right. um, yeah, like I say, I hate it from a stats perspective, but it kind of is what it is now. Yeah, I, I, the thing the thing I like less, Rod, is the is the increasing of the teams in the playoffs that they went to last year. I, d- I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Just because we'll eventually end up with like the NBA or the NHL, Hockey. where where right. yeah, where, where where every team but one makes the playoffs. That's, that's yeah, where the, we, yeah, that's the where season really doesn't up. mean anything. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, definitely. So. So the, the the schedules are going to be released, or the schedule schedules are going to be released um, tomorrow night in a grand production on NFL Network. Um, how do you, how do you guys feel about this? Is it that big of a deal to have these schedule, the schedule released? Uh, what are what are you looking at? Are you looking more at the bye week or when you know uh, when specific teams are scheduled to play? What, what's more important to you, Jeff? I think what we've seen with the Browns um, over the course of last season was, you know, we're focused on this week and we're, we're, who are we playing this week? We're preparing to play our best game this week and we'll, we'll worry about next week, next week. So I don't think any of that really matters from a team perspective, from a Mm -hmm. fan perspective, you know, it it makes it fun to sit there and and try to predict who's going to be good, who's going to be bad and, you know, and, and records and so forth. But, um, None of that really adds up to a whole heck of a lot when it's all said and done. Um, It's just, you know, it's another way for the NFL to promote themselves, which I I get, you know. They're good Um, at Right. And and yeah, that's what they do. But um, honestly, the the schedule is what it is. And and we're going to play the, the, you know, we're going to play the games as they come. So, Jeff, one more question before I go to Peter on this. Uh, more excited about the schedule release or about the Browns signing kicker Chase McLaughlin? <laughs> Probably about, about signing the kicker. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, because we, we need some competition at kicker. Yes, Definitely. I agree. Definitely a, a potential <laughs> weak spot. So, so Peter, we'll go back to you on the, on the schedule release now. <laughs> I'm glad you're not going to ask me about Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> we'll spare you that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel I feel similar similar to Jeff. I mean, you, you know, we already know which teams our teams are going to play, um, and, and I don't think the order matters until you get to that point in get to that point in the season, and you know, you're dealing with the injuries that you're dealing with, and you're dealing with the injuries that the other team 
are dealing with. So I think that it absolutely it does matter when you get there because um, it's not always about who you play; it's about when you play them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this stage, you know, in the middle of, in the middle of May, it kind of is, is what it is. Um, I think when you support a a team that plays in potentially cold weather in December, it's always interesting to see who they send up to your team in December. You know, please send Miami up to Cleveland in December or Tampa Bay up <laughs> to Green Bay in December. That's yeah. Those those always give you a <laughs> chuckle. I'm not not sure it totally makes a lot of difference, but it always gives you a chuckle. Um, but yeah, and I guess the other thing you look for potentially is is the number of you know prime time games that you've got. You know, number of Monday night games, Sunday night games, Thursday night games, and who, and who those are against. Right. Yeah. Do you think that number is going to go up, down, stay the same for the Browns? Man, there was a lot last season for the primetime games. Yeah, I, I would imagine the Browns will get a lot this season. I, I would imagine they'll get as many as they're allowed to have. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can be tough on the team. I mean, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's kind of fun as a fan. Um you know, that way, that way, uh, some of us who are out of town, we know we're going to see all those games. You know, we won't have to hunt for yeah. them or anything. But, um, but yeah, for the team, it can be a challenge. You know, with the yeah. traveling, everything, playing the Monday night games, the Thursday night games, and all that. Yeah, and it also becomes strange, doesn't it, when you get a run of games where you where you're not kicking off at, at, at one p.m. on a Sunday. You know, you, you, yeah. you suddenly realize that you've you've perhaps opened the season at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, and by week nine, you've not played another game at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. You know, you've played a few games out west, and then and you've played some primetime games, and your bye week's fallen, and all of a sudden you realise that those, those Sunday games just haven't happened, which is still kind of traditional football time, for me anyway. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the Browns definitely had stretches like that last season. Definitely. Part of the penalty of being an up-and-coming team. Yeah, yeah. You get flexed to Sunday night. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of a kind of a. Well, I want to say it's you know it's a positive and a negative. It's kind of both yeah. things. I, I think I think the thing to do is try and avoid as many of those Thursday night games on the road as you can. Those mm-hmm. are the, those yeah. are the ones. But... Those Thursday night games are always tough. Um, very unpredictable. Yeah, it's tough on teams, definitely, definitely. So, uh, Peter, we uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. It's been fun oh, talking. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, and I appreciate being able to talk some football with you guys and spend some time where I don't have to talk about Aaron Rodgers. That's that's an added <laughs> bonus. I was not going to bring him up. Peter. I wasn't going to even thank bring you. him up. <laughs> Believe me, we've talked more than enough about about Ian Baker in Cleveland. Um, oh my! Yeah, yeah. I thought well, we could I'm just kind of surprised that, that you didn't ask Peter about Josh Myers, Rod. Well, uh, well, you know what? I kind of forgot about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the Packers drafted Josh Myers, and and he's from he's from Miamisburg, who's one town over from me. I actually used to live in Miamisburg. Yeah, and and. Slightly surprised me because I thought they'd go for Creed Humphrey, who went with the pick after the Packers pick, went to the Chiefs with the very next pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he's obviously a guy that they think is going to come in and start on day one, you know, because that's a yeah. hole that, that that's a hole that they've got with with Corey Lindsley going to the Chargers in free agency. Um, and so they re- they must they must really like him. So well, Peter, I'm gonna... Rod will be a Packers fan from the perspective of at least one player. <laughs> I, I think we all pull for different guys within the league, you know. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I mean, Peter, Peter was always a Clay Matthews fan, so um, you know, it, it's yep. the same type of deal. So, you know, I'll always be pulling for Josh Myers. I hope he does. Hope he has a great career. So, um, so. Uh, Peter, would you like to close with anything? Anything that you're working on from a historic standpoint or anything right now? Actually, what I've, what I've spent the last few days doing is just um, setting up my document ready for the 2022 draft. So that's <laughs> oh, nice. so, so, so that's typically what I do after this draft is finished. 
is just do a bit of because I've got notes all over the place. So just try and collate some of those notes ready for 2022. Then I, yeah. then I'll put that to bed for a little while. Take a, take a little bit of time off, you know, in the summer. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the main. That's the, been the main thing for the last couple of weeks <laughs> since the draft, and that'll be the main thing for the next next couple of weeks. And then I'll put that to bed, and um, and 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 go from there and. Hopefully by June, the Aaron Rodgers thing will have sorted itself out one way or another, so I don't have to hear any more about that. Uh, by June, <laughs> yeah. By June, hopefully Jeff will be in his pool and, and Aaron Rodgers will be, that'll all be put to rest. Yes. And, and, and Jeff has which, which, your... which is likely to come first, Jeff in his pool or the Aaron Rodgers oh stuff being gosh, put to I him? would guess Jeff in his pool, probably. <laughs> okay. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> And and Jeff, I'm sure you're studying for the 2022 draft. I'm sure that's going quite well at this point. <laughs> no, I, I will I will pick that up um, sometime in uh, mid January. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, Jeff, anything you like to close with tonight? I'll, I'll just let let guys like Peter do all the heavy lifting, and, <laughs> and I'll throw out throw out my opinions. <laughs> that's right. Um, you know what? The the draft was great. Um, I think you know, the Browns adding potentially eight or nine new starters on defense um, with free agency and the draft combined um, puts me in a position where I wonder, um, you know, can this all come together? Um, so that that's going to be the interesting part of training camp, uh, the preseason, seeing how all of these pieces, all these moving parts um, get assembled and what it looks like. Um, I fully expect there to be some hiccups along the way early on, but man, it's pretty exciting to think about where we can be toward the end of um, the 2021 season. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%, you know, and we, we thought we would have some hiccups last season and the team really started out pretty well. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about this team. So this has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.